Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once, it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome to Murder Mile. Today, I'm standing on Greenhill Road in Halsden, NW10. Three roads west of Peter Buckingham's last gasp. The short walk from the first day killer's callous joyride. Two streets east of Dennis Nielsen's first day as a copper. And half a mile from the body parts nobody claimed. Coming soon to Murder Mile. As a regular residential street, Greenhill Road consists of two-storey, semi-detached red brick houses, a few trees dotted for greenery, and two lines of contractors' vans parked up outside of what is often the worst adverts for their skill. With a builder's brickwork as smashed as a boxer's smile, a plumber's drain as leaky as a pensioner's plonker, and any award-winning driveways, as lumpy as a teenager's face. Only what sets 12 Greenhill Road apart from the others isn't how it looks, but what happened within. On the morning of Saturday the 4th of August 1945, having travelled 5,500 miles from war-torn Burma, Private Cyril Patmore was here to speak to his heavily pregnant wife, Kathleen. Expecting her to give birth within the week, this should have been a joyous moment for this devoted father of five. But with Cyril knowing for certain that the child was not his, as his immoral wife had been unfaithful while he was fighting for his country, what she said in these final moments, would decide if she lived or died. My name is Michael. I am your tour guide. And this is Murder Mile. Episode 224. The Immoral Mrs. Patmore. Part 1. The Second World War 
was a difficult time for many couples. As being ripped apart for a cause which wasn't their doing. Being in need of a kiss, a cuddle, or a night's worth of affection. Their morals drifted in a moment of regrettable passion. But in Kathleen's case, she loved to be loved, whether she was married to the man or not. Kathleen Marjorie Jenning was born in 1907 in the village of Wallingford in Oxfordshire as one of 11 children to Sarah, a housewife, and William, a quarryman. With just six of these children being blood relatives, as her mother had remarried, with barely a year between each child and her father dying young, struggling to feed them all, Many of the older siblings had fled the chaos of this fracturous, squabbling brood. Raised by her widowed mother in Elmden, Northamptonshire, Kathleen was far from the demure ideal of a 1920s teenage girl. As shockingly, she drank alcohol, she smoked cigarettes, she regularly got into spats, and with her mood said to be foul and uncouth. She was later described as coarse and mouthy. As a scrapper, who liked the affections of boys and often fought bitterly with May, her sister, nine years her senior, their spiteful childish rivalry would last for the rest of their lives. But as with many of the most impoverished of families, Forced together, as apart, they had nothing. When they needed each other, for the sake of survival, these sisters were always there. Only not out of love, but necessity. In 1928, age 21, Kathleen married Alfred Shaw. Although how well this family regarded this union is uncertain, as her brother Horace said he thought that her husband's name was Wilfred. And although the following year, Kathleen gave birth to a son who she named Reginald, before he was even three years old, she had already began looking elsewhere for love, and her eyes had rested on a man called Civil. Born in Malta, although not Maltese, Cyril Patmore was the only child of Arthur, an actor, and May, a housewife. With no siblings and very few relations, when he met Kathleen, owing to his mother dying when he was only six and losing his father aged 19, he had lost a lot and longed to be loved. In 1932, Civil and Kathleen met while he was working as a waiter at the Hind Hotel in Wellingborough. She was local, married, a mother, and he knew that. But still, within the month, they had eloped. So is it so odd that he wouldn't expect a woman who had cheated on her husband 
to later cheat on him. Maybe he had. And having fled, with Cyril raising Reginald, another man's son, as his own, they lived at Woodmill Cottages in Blissworth, and Cyril was cited in the divorce papers between Kathleen and Alfred. On the 27th of November 1937, Kathleen and Cyril married at Oxford Registry Office. Only it didn't bode well, as on their marriage certificate, she had lied, stating that she was a widow, even though Alfred was still alive. Across their eight-year marriage, they had five children. Christine in 1933, Terry in 1939, Noreen in 1941, and their youngest Kathleen in 1942, as well as Reginald to Kathleen's ex-husband. In 1938, seeking work, they moved into a top-floor flat as owned by Beatrice Martin at 436 Edgware Road, in London. She said, they appeared to be reasonably happy. Cyril was a very decent chap and a loyal father who took pride in his children's appearance. Although fractious, their marriage could have survived. But with the looming war coming to London, Soon, they'd be split apart. Being barely five foot tall, stocky and sturdily built, whilst a waiter in London, Cyril had been an ARP warden watching the skies for bombers. And although he didn't meet the height requirements, short of good men, in December 1940, he was conscripted as a private in the 1st Battalion of the Royal Scots Fusiliers. As a shock to the system, Cyril went from a wet and cold Britain to a hot and steamy Burma. Battling through a hideous onslaught of bullets and blood, but also rats, snakes, foot rot, man traps and dysentery. In 1942, having survived the bloody Battle of Madagascar, he was seconded to the 36th Infantry in India. Like many servicemen forced to fight, all he ever thought of was his wife and children. Their faces lost in the midst of his mind, and their voices all but a distant memory, as the war drove them further apart. Being more than 5,000 miles from his home, having missed the birth of Noreen and the youngest Kathleen, his return would always be a special moment for Civil. At least, that's what he thought. According to May, Kathleen's older sister, Civil joined the army after a quarrel with his wife. Whether this was true, we shall never know. But it was clear that their marriage and their love life were struggling. In December 1941, 
as the mother of their then four children. Kathleen moved into a larger flat at 63A Randolph Avenue in Maida Vale, as owned by Frank Tobin. The landlord stated, They were happy. He was a good husband, and when he got leave, he came home. Although speaking to her regularly, she often spoke of being fed up with him being away for so long. While he was serving overseas, Frank remained a good friend to Cyril, a much-needed man about the house for Kathleen, and a friendly uncle figure to her children, especially when baby Kathleen was born. And although Frank Tobin was seen as just a friend, it was suspected that he was the father of her youngest child. As if this fractured family hadn't suffered enough, owing to the endless onslaught of the Blitz bombs, which illuminated the smoldering city in a choking cloud of raging red flames and deathly black smoke. As part of Operation Pied Piper, her five children were evacuated to the safety of the countryside in 1942. But owing to the V-1 rockets, which pummeled the West End, Kathleen followed in May 1944. Moved 60 miles west of London to the tiny village of Farmore in Oxfordshire. It was as remote as you could get, being just a few farmhouses on the bank of the Whitehorse Reservoir, a passing canal and a woody outcrop. With the city burning far on the horizon, Kathleen and her kids moved in with her older sister May into wood-end cottages, along with May's daughters Sissy and Maisie, as well as their lodgers, three truck drivers from Hudson and Hope Haulage called Gordon, Percy and Bill. For Kathleen, Farmore was a place where this lonely lady could find the love she was longing. But as a space where strangers don't go unnoticed, even the slightest whisper of immorality carried far. For May, Kathleen's goings-on would risk the rented home she had lived in with her husband and her children. As just three weeks in, her lodgers were getting more than bed and breakfast from Kathleen. May would say, I saw Kathleen on numerous occasions in a field, having intercourse with the lorry driver named Gordon. She also carried on with the other driver called Bill. I spoke to her on several occasions about her conduct, and she told me to mind my own business. And as the gossip spread like wildfire, Kathleen quickly gained a bad reputation. Amongst those who would condemn her, she was friendly with the other men from the forces stationed nearby. At the Black Horse pub in Bodley, the landlord said, when it came to closing time, she started singing. And when I asked her to leave, 
she told me to stick my pup up my ass. I have seen her drinking on many occasions with different men, mostly soldiers. She is a most horrible type of woman. She had been there barely a month. And as a married mother of five, whose faithful husband was risking his life for king and country, she had no shame in her actions, even around her own family. When interviewed, 12-year-old Christine told the police that when she was frightened by the distant bombings, she would share her mother's bed. Only she was not the only one who did. Sometimes during the night, the three lorry drivers came into my mother's room. One of them, Bill, got into bed with my mother and slept with her. The other two, who had their own bedding, slept on the floor, in the same room as this young child. When they began to suspect that I knew, my bed was put back up in the attic, and being out of sight and out of mind, that should have shamed Kathleen to stop, only it didn't. When the landlord found out, Kathleen, along with May and her children, were kicked out of wood-end cottages and described as living in unfit conditions. Kathleen's children were sent to be looked after by her brother Horace in Thrupp. But by that point, the catalyst for Kathleen's murder had already begun. In a difficult letter to Cyril, she wrote, You asked me why I didn't tell you before. Well, shame, remorse, frightened, call it what you like. But each time I write to tell you about it, I hadn't the nerve. The pity is, I was celebrating your birthday and our wedding all in one, suggesting that she had sex with an unnamed man between the 21st and the 27th of November, 1944. And having four miles to walk home, well, evidently, I didn't make it. I didn't go into it cold sober, otherwise, it wouldn't have happened. And being in Burma at the time of its conception, everyone knew that Cyril was not the father. Having said she felt shame and remorse, having been evicted, and with her children being removed from her care, that should have shocked her into being a decent mother. Only it didn't stop her immoral ways. Having found a place to stay, and a spot of work on the farm of Gordon Blake in Ainsham, Oxfordshire, ironically called the nunnery, Although it had long since quit, being a place of morality and chastity, a sense of unpatriotic filth would descend over this farm, owing to Kathleen and her sexual appetite. 
based at Number 45 Camp at North Hingsey. Two Italian prisoners of war, Antonio Frenzo and Mario Saviello, work the land to feed the British people as part of their punishment. And while the Allies, like Cyril, were risking their lives to fight the fascists, she was busy fucking them. Farmer Blake would state, For four months, she practically lived with four Italian prisoners of war. And given her notice to leave in May 1945, he said, I desired her to leave the farm as soon as possible. Kathleen's life was a mess, which was all her own doing. And although a sweet and mild-mannered man, she worried what Cyril might say or do upon hearing that she had been evicted twice, their five children were in care, and she was pregnant by another man. She was terrified of telling him what she had done, but as whispers carry far, it made it all the way to Burma. In April 1945, Cyril received an anonymous letter from someone in England called Joe. Arriving by airdraft, with the original destroyed, it told him his wife was pregnant by an Italian prisoner of war. Rightfully, he was angry. But first and foremost, as a loving father, he contacted the soldiers, sailors and airmen society and had a welfare officer check on his children who were doing well under their uncle. Penning several letters, he asked Kathleen about the children, in which she replied, My darling Pat, this being his nickname, I was surprised you wrote to the SSAFA. Rest assured, they are in excellent health and are going to school. Everything in England is looking lovely now, and I'm sure you'll be glad to get home. And quite heartlessly, she wrote, you will have a few surprises all round. With no mention of her infidelity or the pregnancy, when questioned, she replied, My darling, the one thing I know is that you loved me. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been so hurt. God knows I couldn't go on without you. But should a moment of madness bring me a lifetime of sadness? I didn't mean to do it. Believe me, sweetheart. I feel too ashamed for you to see me in this condition. Yet how I wish I could see you to talk to you. And as if to preempt her fate, she would chillingly write, It wouldn't matter what you did to me. On the 28th of May, 39-year-old Kathleen Patmore moved into a small furnished first floor room at 12 Greenhill Road in Harleston. A two-story semi-detached house with eight rooms for seven lodgers and a shared kitchen. 
owned by Edward Treves, an undertaker, along with Rebecca Ellie, a 22-year-old married woman known as Marge, who had become Kathleen's new best friend. They all liked her. Kathleen had changed. No longer being a drunk, foul-mouthed, or shagging strange men. In their eyes, Kathleen was quiet and kind. As for them, she made them meals and mended their clothes. And in reference to the bulging bump in her belly, she would joke, He'll be walking in any day now. I don't know what he'll do, but he has threatened to strangle me. In further letters, Kathleen spoke of her fears. I'm wanting to see you, but I don't think I will have the nerve to face you. You see, you have always been a decent man and have always looked after me. How it hurts to know that I have let you down. My greatest wish is to have my children with me. God knows I miss them. I suppose you will tell me it is my job to look after them. It is. But right now, I can't. That's where my heartbreak comes. Apart from you and how I've let you down, the innocent are suffering from my mistakes. Yours as always, Kath. And with the last letter, written just one month before our murder, Kathleen's spirits were buoyed by a reply, dated Sunday the 27th of June, in which Cyril wrote, Hello dear, however I will take for granted that you do love me in your own kind of way, otherwise you wouldn't have given me such a lovely lot of children. My love for you is without a doubt. I haven't come up to what a husband should be, and perhaps it was because I was young and inexperienced. However, for all the ups and downs, we've had some good times and plenty of laughs, and I'm looking forward to those days again, especially our little thrills when you used to faint. It's going to be hard at first. However, with your help, we should be able to get a nice little home together and live happy ever after. Roll on the day when I can straighten things out a bit and settle down to the second chapter of married life. Love to all. Yours always, Pat. Upon his arrest, some people suggested that the murder was premeditated. But with a weapon, a clasp knife, purchased at an Indian bazaar months before he even knew she was cheating. That aside, his letters don't sound like an angry, vengeful husband, hell-bent on slicing open his cheating wife's throat. If anything, having spoken of his hope, a wife, his kids, and a home, being upset but not volatile, he knew that if he killed her and was convicted, his children would have a worse life than if she had lived. 
So although her murder was fated, it wasn't why he had come back. Granted 28 days of compassionate leave from his new posting in India, having travelled five and a half thousand miles to London, on the morning of Sunday the 29th of July 1945, Private Cyril Padmore arrived at St Pancras Station. Dressed in his battle fatigues and with a knapsack on his back, although in his possessions he had the knife which would take her life, he didn't rush to Harleston in a crazed frenzy. Seeking a trusted friend's advice, he had a cup of tea with Frank Tobin. In need of accommodation, he visited Beatrice Martin, their other landlady, who gave him a bed for the night. And having said of Kathleen, she has done a terrible thing to me, he would state, she must be punishing me for this. As if blaming himself for being sent overseas to fight for his country, even though the choice wasn't his. Appearing dejected and ill, on Tuesday the 31st of July, he travelled to Lower End Farm in Thrupp to see his children and to be reassured that their welfare was good in the hands of their Uncle Horace. And it was. Staying the night, he was happy that they were doing well. And seeing May, who relayed to him the whole story of Kathleen's infidelity, they were all heartbroken at the way his wife had treated him. He was tired and upset, but there was no anger or rage in the man who would murder her. On Saturday the 4th of August 1945, just shy of 9am, Civil went to 12 Greenhill Road in Harlesden to see his wife. Being barely a week from giving birth, the day before, they'd spent a few hours together, during which he spoke of how he wished he hadn't been away, how he'd saved up to take them all on a holiday, and with their time together going as well as can be expected, they went to the theatre to watch a show. They had a nice meal in a cafe. He saw her onto the bus to take her home. And although she invited him back, hoping he would stay over, politely, he declined. It wasn't easy. No one had expected it would be. But it didn't feel like a precursor to a murder. Cyril would state, I explained to her that she was the only woman in my life. And although his heart was broken, given time, it could be repaired. And yet that morning, pushed to his limit, this quiet man would slit her throat. 
in a statement to the police. With her blood still on his hands, Sybil said, I live for my children and my wife. I hope they will be well looked after. They've had a rough time since I've been away. Arriving in London, his manner mild and his thoughts far from murder. What plagued the investigation was what had whipped him into such a frenzy that it had driven him to kill the woman he still loved. The sex aside, it had all began with a letter from someone in England who was known only as Joe. And as a whisper of gossip, which had travelled on the breeze, those words had condemned Kathleen to death. But who would be so spiteful as to risk her life by telling him about his immoral wife? The Immoral Mrs. Patmore concludes next week. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There we go. Everyone is moving their boat today. I've picked midweek. It's a Wednesday. It's not even lunchtime. Every effer in the world has decided to move their effing boat today. Oh, God. Oh, oh. Well, at least this is recorded. Oh, I've got to take your hat off. Hat off. There you go. Uh, I'm going to make me a herbal tea as well, I think. Oh, welcome to Extra Mile. Unscripted, unedited bit. Um, we do some quiz questions in a bit. We have a bit of a chat. I have a cup of tea. I fill you in on some stuff that might not be in the episode, and then you switch off. You can switch off now if you don't don't want this. That's not a problem. Uh, some people like it. 
Uh, some people don't like it. I don't know why people like it. People like it, but there they do. I'm going to make a cup of tea. Uh, bear with, bear with, bear with. Oh, it's a gloomy old day. It really is. Not much going on. I think where everyone else in the world is having uh, hot weather and there's storms and all that. In Britain, we've just had 20 degrees for the last month. It's barely moved, barely moved a jot. Oh, so there it is. That's it, folks. Uh, oh, cripes. Uh, what's going on in the world apart from doing this? Not really a lot, really. Uh, went out with a mate on the weekend. Uh, was just going to go out for a couple of pints. Ended up having 10 pints. Lovely. Um, diet was going well until... Uh, I thought, oh, I'm really hungry. And even though I'd, I'd got my veggie kebabs to come back to that I hadn't quite made, but they're cheap and easy and quick to make. Uh, I was walking past a pizza place and I thought, oh, bollocks, I'll go and have a pizza. Even though pizza's not the best thing for a diet because it's all, it's just fat. It's like, uh, it's like 99% fat. There's nothing good in it at all. Uh, I thought, bollocks, I'll go and have it. So I ordered a two foot pizza, a two foot round pizza, bigger than the table I'm currently sitting at at the moment. And it had uh, sausage on it and chicken and kebab meat. It had all the, all the goodies on there. Um, and I was sitting there eating it, watching a bit of Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares. And I thought to myself, yeah, I'll have some pizza slices in the morning. And within 10 minutes, the whole lot had gone. Amazing. I didn't feel as bad as I thought I'd feel. So it looks like, it looks like, uh, and I just wolfed it down. I didn't even feel full. I thought being on a diet that my stomach would shrink a bit, but it seems that I still have the gluttony instinct within me to be able to pig my way through stuff. Apart from that, stick to my diet, still doing good, still trying to get, get the old love handles to disappear and the muffin top and all, all the flabby bits, you know. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, I'm just going to thank some uh, new Patreon supporters. Uh, I'm going to thank Jade G, Martin Ward, and Claire Merriman. So thank you, Jade, Martin, and Claire. Uh, you are uh, new Patreon supporters. Uh, you obviously get new goodies, so depending on what tier you are, everybody gets a video each week. Everyone gets the e-book that goes. Uh, everyone gets all the, the, the crime scene photos that I don't share everywhere else. If you go up a notch, you get Walk With Me, which is the uh, exclusive... Uh, it's like Extra Mile, but it's like me taking a walk and... Uh, uh, people seem to like that so that's good that's the next tier up and then if you go put another tier you get all of that plus you get early episodes early ad free episodes and then more than that you get a murder mile mug of goodies uh, and some some private little videos that i do every so often and sometimes in the in there is some secret um podcast series like deadly thoughts that i did ages ago and things like that that i sneak in every so often that are, that are just for the top tier so lots of tears not tears as in boo-hoo-hoo but uh uh uh, good tears good tears tears for fears so uh let's uh, how is my water i'm gonna i'm gonna switch off my kettle now because there's no point having a boiling tea there we go let's i'm doing an herbal tea today oh ah uh, where's the where's the top hang on there we go i mean as always i won't drink all of this anyway i'll drink i'll drink a bit of it oh your hat's falling on the floor I'll drink a bit of it, like I'll have a swig or two, and then I'll just, I'll just give up. Uh, oh, it depends. I'm going to go to the coffee shop in a bit and abuse the coffee shop's electrics and their, and their whiffy, and uh, have a, a decaf soy latte. Lovely, 
lovely stuff i don't even have to order it anymore they just see me and they know uh so let's do some quiz questions uh don't forget i haven't edited this episode yet um so some of these questions may get edited out but there we go question number one in what village was kathleen born question number two what did kathleen's father do as a job Question number three, what job was Cyril doing when he met Kathleen? Someone's got an umbrella up. That's not a good sign. Question number four, how much older was May to Kathleen? So that's her older sister, but how much older was she? Question number five, what did Horace think that Kathleen's first husband was called? Question number six, Cyril was born in what country? Question number seven, how many siblings did Cyril have? Question number eight, what job did, what job did Cyril's dad do? Question number nine, uh, what did Kathleen state uh, she was... What did Kathleen state she was on her wedding certificate? Sorry, I forgot to put commas in there, there. So that's her status. What status did Kathleen state that she was on her wedding certificate? And question number 10. When did Kathleen leave London owing to the V1 rockets? So we'll do an answer to those very shortly, which is all good. Uh, uh, We'll do some extra stuff. Don't forget, this is a two-part episode, so um, I'm going to be careful about what I say here. So um, uh, Kathleen, uh, real name Kathleen Marjorie Jenning. Uh, unfortunately, in the press, they keep listing her as Jennings, but it's actually Jenning. Uh, several uh, siblings, uh, Gordon Winifred, Reginald, Horace, Kathleen herself, and Freddie. Um, uh, she's got more relatives than that, but uh, I'm not listing them all there she was about five foot five uh, 39 years old roughly when she died although the press seemed to say that she was 35 she wasn't she was 39 uh um we don't really know what where the conflict comes from with her sister her sister never said anything about it um at the the start of kind of the the investigation so there seems to be a fractious relationship with all of the family members whether it was because they're a large family whether it was because they were relatively poor whether it was because they're all crammed in together uh i don't know maybe there was just a lack of love in the family but it it, it seems like one of those families where they just seem to have to get on because they feel that they have to but there doesn't seem to be a lot of love there so there's a lot of extended families a lot of them have, have multiple children so uh yeah uh she got married to her first husband Uh, i won't say his name because that might give away the answer to one of the quiz questions in 1928 they lasted for about four years and had a child together reginald who was born within the first year um uh, i'm been in the archives and i've already uh seen the the divorce papers which are in there as well so the the um police report is in there so the police files are in there all the court documents are in there and the the uh divorce papers between kathleen and her first husband of which cyril is cited as a respondent in there so um it was the relationship she was with her first husband 
and then that seemed to fall apart and they didn't get divorced at that point but she started seeing other people and that's at that point she fell in love with kind of Cyril so it kind of makes as I mentioned in the episode it's kind of interesting that he wouldn't suspect that she would cheat on him given the fact that she cheated uh, on him she cheated on her prior husband with him so do you know once a cheat always a cheat people should learn learn that lesson um cyril uh doesn't know doesn't have a middle name um uh five foot tall so shorter than she is uh dark short and stockily built uh his father uh died uh 1929 so when he was about 19 years old i think it was his mother died uh when he was just six years old uh so a lot of trauma in that early life but um obviously he's constantly looking for someone to love do you know if you think about it he's got no parents by the time he's 19 years old um he worked in many hotels and clubs as a porter uh over the years he was an arp warden so that is um uh you're keeping an eye out for the kind of bombers coming overhead but also you keep an eye out for buildings that caught fire and things like that so he did that uh he was called up december 1940 uh whilst working as a porter at the embassy club uh he met kathleen we don't really know uh, how and why they met um he was working at the this doesn't give away the question he was working at the hind hotel in wellingborough um he knew that she so that's uh he knew that she was married he knew that she was living at 22 west street in wellingborough which is in center of town with her husband Uh, so he knew that he knew all this at the time he knew that she got a child so you know it's that's that's the interesting thing that i find is that um I wonder if he just didn't think it would happen to him or given the fact that uh, he kind of he kind of believes that Frank Tobin is the father of his daughter first and we're going to get into this a lot more in the second episode there's a lot more to explore in part two Um, I think it's always there I think he I think he knows it I think he just doesn't want to believe it but when he's confronted by absolutely cast iron evidence just crazy it really is uh so um kathleen the first husband separated in 1932 the divorce didn't seem to go through until 1935 so it was a a real patch there um i think reginald their first son uh the prior marriage was 1928 or 29 i can't remember which um then christine was born so christine's the daughter that you heard about more in this episode she was born 1933 so that's before they were married so technically she was a child born out of wedlock um uh noreen 1941 um uh, terry 1929 and kathleen 1942 um so yeah they had quite a few children but how many were cyrils we don't know we don't know this is this is where the, and uh, you know don't forget this is an era where people there's not really a, a way to to tell i i remember talking to a, a, a relative of mine who was a nurse years ago used to be a midwife and um a midwife in kind of the 1980s 90s things like that so prior to when you could do dna tests and things like that and um she said the amount of times that you'd have 
uh, couples coming in really joyous, looking forward to a baby being born and both the couples being, let's say, for example, white, and then the baby comes out and the baby's black. And you, you could see there's a moment of happiness and then they're kind of looking at each other like, oh, fuck. Do you know, but it's like uh, with with uh, Cyril and... Um, because we don't really have a good description of Cyril and uh, Kathleen it's really really hard to pin down what the children look like there for uh if the child would would have been born what the child would have looked like so yeah it's all it's all up in the air it really is um moving to London so uh they moved in with with Mrs Beatrice Martin the top floor flat of 436 Edgware Road which is still there today not too far from uh Paddington Station they appear to be reasonably happy. Uh, obviously, by that point, I think they'd only got two children at that point. So by the time a third and the fourth came along, uh, a third came along and a fourth was about to come along with the fifth soon to be on the way. Uh, that's when they moved to 336 Randolph Avenue and made a veil. If you go there today, it's like really posh, expensive houses. Like these are the big uh, marble columned houses and you stand outside and go, wow, these are worth like 10 million pounds. But... Back in the 1940s, these were kind of relatively low-rent lodging houses. If you would have owned one of them and kept it and handed it down to the family, God, that would be worth a fortune now. But you go back to the 40s, 50s, 60s, uh, around the point of the slum clearances, these buildings were kind of on the cusp of them deciding, do we keep them or do we not keep them? Uh, so they were, they were not great. They look great today, but they were not great. Um, uh, Frank... Uh, Patrick Tobin, uh, uh, 45 years old, a GPO assistant engineer. Um, he was the owner of the property. Uh, he had known the family for about four years, so 1941 to 44. Uh, they occupied the rooms in at 63A Randolph Avenue, so that's in the basement downstairs. Um, uh, Cyril was with Kathleen when they moved in but around that point that's when he was because he'd been enlisted that's when he got shipped overseas um, as we saw in this episode as well um, owing to uh, Operation Pied Piper which was the uh, operation to try and get as many of the children the most vulnerable people out of the city because it was being bombed to hell by the uh, by the Luftwaffe Um so that was the plan to i think they got 1.5 million people out of the city which is pretty amazing considering i think around that point it was only around i think it's nine million people now i think it was three and a half million um roughly with the population around the wartime something like that um uh, so christine their daughter was initially evacuated evacuated to hale in cornwall in november 1940 uh she returned 1941 um and the then the other children were uh sent off uh later later i think i think it was around the same point and then christina would join them later on um Cyril going to war um so even though he'd, he'd enlisted it was early 1942 that he was sent overseas although uh, as mentioned in the episode her sister said uh he left he joined up owing to a quarrel with his wife we don't know whether, whether that's true he was part of the first battalion who spent uh most of the war with the 29th independent infantry brigade group <sighs> what 
bloody difficult to say that. The battalion participated in the Battle of Madagascar in 1942, so not too far away from uh, the first episode that we did in this run about the guy whose um, trauma came from his ship being sunk. That was the Battle of Madagascar as well. Uh, he was in the second battalion, um, uh, and then they were transferred to India to fight with the Southeast Asian Theatre. Not theatre as in like a, a play, uh, just in case people are wondering. Uh, so yeah, he fought in a lot of a lot of many wars there. So um, I, th- I think we could probably say that with say with the uh, the, uh, the in the episode the saviour um that he came back with some kind of trauma you could probably say that Cyril probably came back with some kind of trauma as well especially dealing with jungle warfare that was meant to that was meant to be a really horrific situation there um while he was there he purchased what was said to be either a four or a six inch clasp knife uh with a curved blade uh, some people have said that this was uh, premeditation by him having bought a knife. But when you look at the dates, he doesn't know about his wife's infidelity. I mean, he obviously suspects, but he, d- he hasn't been told about his wife's infidelity prior to the point where he bought the knife at an Indian bazaar as a souvenir. So it's it's hard to tell whether he was turning up to murder her. It's unlikely given, given his um, the letters that he wrote. But... Uh, he certainly had the knife with him, but uh, given the fact that he was a soldier, he almost certainly would have had the knives with him anyway. Um, I'm going to try and get into some of the letters shortly, but the lodgers in the house, uh, uh, Gordon Gray was one of them, Percy and Bill, we don't know their surnames. They worked for Hudson and Hope Haulage in uh, Portsmouth. Uh, and two of them, or could be three of them, were seen, as mentioned in the episode, uh, sleeping with Kathleen. And this was in, within the first couple of weeks of her moving in. Uh, and she didn't seem to care about the fact that, you know, she'd be having sex in the room with her child who was uh, supposedly asleep. Um, George Podbury, uh, who was the landlord for there, said, Mrs. Patmore is a very is very coarse and mouthy. She made use of foul language. I told her she ought to be ashamed of herself carrying on the way she did. Uh, when Mrs. Patmore left, she was obviously expecting a baby. Um we don't know a huge amount uh, about the potential fathers it could i with the dates it could have been one of the truck drivers uh, given the fact that she was with them in november i don't think it was one of the italians i really do just, just just think that it was the italians who were blamed because they were the enemy at the time um because they didn't really meet her until the january i believe it was probably in, in the in the february uh when she was at uh, the nunnery as it was called ironically uh what i see if i've got a little bit uh antonio frunzo 40 of the 144th italian labor battalion uh, that's the english name for it that's basically just a nice way of saying prisoners of war and they're being sent off to do gardening uh he was sent off to work he'd been there about a year at blake's farm which is where she was there she was busy but he was billeted with three other prisoners uh, six months later, he said uh, he got to know a lady called Katerina, that's Catherine, and states he only passed the time of day with her and I never had sexual relations with her. The other guy was Mario uh, Saviello. Uh, in the press, they list him as uh, Baviello, but that's incorrect. He again was uh, based at the North Hinkley camp um, and said he was uh, acquainted with the ladies who were there. Um, 
and we will dive into more about this next week because this is kind of key it, it, it's something i brushed off in this episode but i've got i've established it so we can come back to it next time uh it was during the april that she became aware that she was pregnant so she was about five to six months pregnant at that point and everyone said it was very obvious it was hard to kind of hide it by that point um we've got a lot of the letters that she sent him because when he came back uh to see her he was carrying the letters with him her letters with him so we have her letters but we don't have his letters we don't know what she did with them whether she destroyed them or whether they were kept in a, in a different file um let's see if i can find some of the letters uh kathleen's letter to cyril so there we go uh dated 28th of may 1945 uh so this is uh by this point she has already moved into uh 12 green hill road in halston uh she says uh my darling one thing i know is that i love one thing i know is that you loved me otherwise you wouldn't have been so hurt you asked me why i didn't tell you before well shame remorse frightened call it what you like but each time i write to tell you about it i hadn't the nerve the pity is I was celebrating your birthday and our wedding day all in one and having four miles to walk home, well, event evidently I didn't make it. I didn't go into it cold sober, otherwise it wouldn't have happened. I know it's no picnic over there. Please think, please think my love, there is your kiddies to come to, come home to, even if you don't want me. Although God knows I couldn't go on without you. Should a moment of madness bring me a life of, of sadness, I didn't mean to do it. Believe me, sweetheart, and don't start a divorce as I don't think I can stand that. Uh, I feel ashamed for you to see me in this condition, yet how I wish I could see you just to talk to you. It wouldn't matter what you've d what you'd done to me afterwards. Now, my darling, you will always be that to me. I'll close now by hoping someday uh, we may be together together to hear the song don't know what the song is uh yours kath so there's quite a few letters about this um I'd, I'd love to see his letters to find out what it was that he said because she told people about it but we just we just don't know what the what the crux of it is and uh how much of it is uh that she's saying to other people is factually accurate like uh when she says um that he'd threatened to strangle her we don't know whether that's true or not because we don't have that letter but there we go um i'm going to do the the answers to the quiz questions so get ready to see how many you got question number one all the all the uh office people are coming out of their offices now off to get some lunch and have a walk around the park uh question number one in what village was kathleen born that was wallingford question number two what did kathleen's father do as a job he was a quarryman. Question number three. What job was Cyril doing when he met Kathleen? Celebrity. Uh, he was a waiter. Question number four. How much older was May to Kathleen? Between both sisters, there was a nine-year difference. Question number five. What did Horace think that Kathleen's husband's husband was called? I'll redo that. What did what did Horace think that Kathleen's first husband was called? Well, his name was Alfred, but he uh, thought his her first husband was called Wilfred. So there you go. Question number six: Cyril was born in what country? Malta. 
Question number seven. How many siblings did did Cyril have? It was a trick question. He had none. Question number eight. What job did Cyril's dad do? He was an actor. Question number nine. What did Kathleen state she was on her wedding certificate? Uh, she said that she was a widow, which she wasn't. Her husband, uh, he, actually, he actually died in the late 1960s, according to the records. And question number 10. When did Kathleen leave London owing to the V1 rockets? Uh, it was uh, May 1944, which was the start of the V1 rockets. So there we go, folks. Oh, Christ. Oh, there we go. So I'm going to have a little swig of tea. I'll do a little bit of editing. And I'm going to go into, go into the coffee shop. What time is it now? It's, it's 20 to 1. I'll do an hour of editing, then I'll go into the coffee shop. I just, I'm just going to do what I always do. I spend a couple of hours just cleaning up the audio because there's nothing worse than kind of audio where it's kind of pe- popping and clicking sounds in people's voices and horrible. So this bit's fine, but the first bit I like to be nice and clean. So I spend hours, I literally spend a day just cleaning the audio, just getting rid of the sounds of duck sounds and boats going by and just trying to make it sound nice for you. This bit, meh, nah, this is the unedited bit. This can go out as it is so there you go folks that's that done hope you enjoyed that that was uh the the novel mrs pat pat moore part one part two the concluding part continues next week so thank you for listening to the show for, for this i could barely talk thank you for listening to the show uh it's very kind of you uh thank you if you leave reviews for the show thank you for that as well that really does help uh thank you for supporting the show thank you if you uh share it with your friends that's that's much appreciated as well so have a good week folks stay safe and be good lots of love oh there's a doggy there uh lots of love doggy's having a sniff along the pavement having a good old sniff his tail is up and he's very happy have a good week folks stay safe and be good lots of love Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.